Our second lesson today is a story you've heard before. Hear it again as if for the first time. It comes from the Gospel according to John from chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So, A fellow had a dog that had learned to talk. The man brought the dog to a talent agent trying to get the dog on TV. The dog can speak, he claims, to this very skeptical agent. Okay, sport, the guy says to the dog, what's on top of a a house? The dog says, roof. (laughs) Oh, geez, come on, the talent agent Response, all dogs say that. No, wait, wait, the guy says, he asked the dog, what's sandpaper feel like? And he says, rough. The agent is beginning to lose his patience and rolling his eyes. No, 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 hang on. This one will amaze you. He turns and asks the dogs, who, who in your opinion is the greatest baseball player of all time? And he says, Ruth. (laughs) With that, the talent agent had endured enough 
And he boots them out of his office, out onto the street. And as they walk down the street, the dog turns to his owner and said, I guess I should have said Hank Aaron. (laughs) Well, give John, the gospel writer, the credit. He left nothing unsaid. He said it all. Compared to all the other Easter stories, John is the most vivid, the longest, with the most details and descriptions and conversations. It's the most complex of all. John said it all. It has characters and coming and going and running and racing even. And it is his description of Easter morning. Let me take a moment to just reiterate some of the elaborate pieces of this story. Okay? We know all the Easter stories begin in the early dawn. We had a wonderful sunrise service this morning. All the Easter stories begin on Sunday morning, very early, following the death of Jesus and following the placing of Jesus in the tomb on Friday. John begins his telling by emphasizing that morning has broken with three references to time. The first day of the week, early in the morning, while it was still dark. This is to say that on this very day, Easter, a new time is beginning. John elaborates how this day marks the first day of the first year of the risen Lord's reign. This is to stress how this singular morning shifts the whole world from B.C. to A.D. We are all moving from that realm where death seems to hold us captive into another realm where God always holds us. We are moving from that sense that life can feel so desperate and overwhelming and uncertain at times to that Season when nothing can separate us from God's love. Not height, nor depths, not death can separate us from God's love. Mary is there on that morning, it says in this gospel reading. It looks like the church in the shadow of persecution and a cross is down to one person. Mary. She shows up at the tomb. One person. But then the extensive activity and the dialogue begin. Mary sees the empty tomb. She runs to tell the others. Peter and the disciple, the other disciple, race to the tomb and find the linen wrappings lying there. If the body was stolen, why did they find the linens? And why were the linens all neatly rolled up and placed there? That's what she found. Are you picking up on the extensive details, how John is saying it all? The details are trying to make a point. Real life and real people are moving from an old time into a new time, from B.C. to A.D., from that era when death seemed to prevail to this realm where death no longer holds us. God prevails. All of this was enough to plant fresh seeds of belief for these people who showed up at the tomb and it intends to plant fresh seeds of resurrection faith among all of us. 
the removed stone, the empty tomb, the linen wrappings folded and separate, the head cloth. It's like they were there doing the math. And it was all adding up because it says in verse 8, they saw and they believed. They saw and they believed. What does it take for us to believe? Is it enough to see all that John is saying here? The details of this story and then believe also? Can we move too into this new realm where death doesn't hold us? Can we? You? With what you're dealing with? Me? With what's going on in my life? Us? With our world? Can we move there? I've been reading a very interesting book lately. It's called My Bright Abyss. It's by Christian Wyman. Christian Wyman is a well-known poet, and he's the editor of Poetry, National Magazine, who, in the prime of his life, was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. My Bright Abyss is a clear-eyed declaration of what it means for an artist and a modern human being to have faith in the face of death. Wyman conveys on every page that faith is not just some intellectual assent, not some grasping of some new ideas, nor is it ever figuring everything out so that we have some kind of spiritual calm amidst life's storms. It's not that, he says. Maybe what Wyman offers me more than anything else is how seeing and believing what happened on Easter to Peter and Mary and those at the tomb is never static. It's never certain. It's always unfolding, always full of mystery and doubt, always evolving, ever-changing. Faith is, especially as the challenges and the changes come our way. What we are to be, Wyman keeps pushing, is open. Open to imagine what God might be doing. What we're encouraged to be is open enough to keep our striving, open enough to keep seeking, open enough to discern that God is actually present and God is actually work at work right where we need God most in our own lives and with the circumstances of the world. How open are you? How attentive are you to all that God might be doing? In one poignant scene, Wyman tells him an experience. He, had, he and his wife were attending a UCC, a United Church of Christ congregation in New, New England, and they were befriended by the young minister. And he had just returned from Boston where a specialist had all but pronounced a death sentence on him because of his rare cancer. And then this passage, and I quote, This was the cloud that I was walking under early one bright winter morning, maybe a week after the exchange of emails with the preacher at the church where we were visiting, when I heard my name. I turned around to see him half running down the street toward me as he tried to pull a flannel shirt on over his t-shirt, careful not to trip over his untied shoes. I was in no mood to chat, especially not to an enthusiastic preacher, And all my thoughts were hostile. 
But I stopped. We had a kind of introduction as he tied his shoes, and then he asked if he could walk with me to the train station. Those days are a blur to me, but I remember two things from that morning very clearly. I remember Matt straining to find some language that would be true to his own faith and calling, and at the same time adequate to the tragedy and the faithlessness, the tragedy of faithlessness, that he perceived in me. And I remember when we parted, there was an awkward moment when the severity of my situation and our unfamiliarity with each other left us with no words. And in a gesture that I'm sure was completely unconscious, he placed his hand over his heart for just a second as a flicker of empathetic anguish crossed his face. It sliced right through me. It cut through the cloud I was living in and let the plain day pour its balm upon me. I was, I am sure, it was, I am sure, one of those moments when we enact and reflect a mystery and a mercy that are greater than we are. When the void of God and the love of God, incomprehensible pain, and the peace that passes understanding come together in a simple human act. We stood for a moment in the aftermath, not talking, and then went suddenly our separate ways. We may not ever figure it out. We may not get it all correct in our minds and in our hearts, especially with the things going on with our lives. Maybe a new diagnosis that you've heard about yourself or a loved one. Maybe some circumstance that keeps you tossing and turning at night. Maybe it's the lost airplane in the Southern Ocean. Or maybe it's the recent catastrophe off the coast of Korea. Or maybe it's some other hardship that you are carrying today and tomorrow And for the foreseeable future, we may never figure it out. How does faith make sense? We may never figure it out. But we are invited to see and believe. We are invited to open our hearts to the mystery and the possibilities of God always present and always at work. We are invited to look and be changed. On Easter And with all that is going on, look and be changed. God never leaves us. The new realm emerges that very morning around the empty tomb, and we're invited to be a part of it, and we're invited to live into it. You are. I am. I am especially taken today in this story with the person of Mary. When the others return home, It says, Mary stays there weeping outside the tomb. This is a depiction of that wonderful verse in Proverbs 8.17. Proverbs 8.17 says, Those who love me, I love. And those who search for me will find me. Mary searches for her beloved Jesus, whom she thought was dead and in the tomb. 
The text says, Mary stood there weeping. But the Greek word is much more emphatic at this little line. She didn't just stand there at the tomb. The better Greek word is she stayed right there, which is not just where she's standing. It's how she's standing. It's about what she's doing there. It's about her heart and her loyalty and her fidelity and her faithfulness at that tomb. Again, faith is not just some mental assent, believing certain things in certain ways. Faith is about loyalty. Faith is about openness. Faith is about our orientation, our focus, and what we're looking at, how we cast our hearts. Mary is not sure what's happening. Mary's not sure what's going to happen. But she is staying right there with her heart and her whole self in fidelity near Jesus, near the empty tomb. Mary does not know what's going to happen next, but she is staying right there. That's a nice picture for me because it often feels easier to run away. When we're not sure what's going to happen, we want to run away. When fear is creeping in, we'd rather run away. When life gets confusing, we'd rather run away. It's tempting to run. It's tempting to hide. It's tempting to stay in bed all day. It's tempting to close ourselves off from light and let the darkness get darker. Maybe sometimes that's all we can do. Stay right there. Stay right there like Mary, near Jesus, not run. Stay right there and cry. That's what Mary did. But that's not all Mary did. The next line says, As she wept, Mary bent over and looked into the tomb. She stooped down herself and she peered inside. That's a big move for somebody who's overwhelmed with grief. A big move. There's much more than giving in to despair here. Imagine her peering in, in hope. Peering in, in a quest. Peering in, at the very least, in curiosity. Could it be so? Empty tomb? She doesn't just sit there and let the puddle of her tears accumulate around her. She does something. And she's rewarded because there are people in there who began talking to her. Two angels who say, woman, why are you weeping? Right? And here's where the drama and the details of this passage really get interesting, really pick up to another level. Mary says, they've taken my Lord away. She's still calling him Lord. Notice? They've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. And no sooner has Mary said this, that Jesus is standing next to her. She saw him. She didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Jesus then asked the same question that the angels just asked. Woman, why are you weeping? Weeping. Weeping is very likely our reality when life goes south. Weeping is very human. Weeping is very natural. Weeping weeping is so important in some moments. But within this very moment, Jesus calls her by name. 
One commentator says this is Jesus' shortest sermon and most dramatic. One name, Mary. The vocative, Mary. The good shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by name, and his sheep know his voice. That was just quoted earlier in John 10. This one word, her name, Mary, it changed Mary's life forever. She turned around, and in those two seconds, the whole world's axis shifted from B.C. to A.D., from despair to hope, from death holding us captive to God holding us forever. Mary was weeping, and then she finds herself in the presence of the death-conquering central figure of all of history, Jesus the Christ. And she says to him, Rabuni, which means my teacher, my teacher. Two words, Mary and Rabuni, and the world becomes a different place. Two words, and the axis shifts. Death, once final, has met its match. There is a reality, someone, someone who knows even our names, loves us, never leaves us. Someone overcoming death and its sting. Jesus, violence does not rule. God rules Hatred does not hold the day. God holds the day. Life is held by God. God is always in our midst. God is always at work. That's the promise. That's what Easter means. That's what Christian faith is about. And then there's the instruction. Instruction. Christian faith is not just about God raising Jesus from the grave and calling us by name. Christian faith changes life and Christian faith calls us to be about changing life going and do something Christian faith is about action action that moves the whole world toward this new realm that's come into being on this particular day go to my brothers and tell them Jesus says tell them what all this means brothers What a gracious word from Jesus. Who had just deserted Jesus? These guys. And he's still calling them brothers. Grace holds the day. And grace is followed by instruction. We are called to do something. Go about and become God's Easter people. It's the truth. The axis has shifted. God reigns. And it means we live a certain way. Go and be about the good and the healing and the hopeful and the life-affirming work of the world. This is Easter. Easter means life. Easter also means mission. And Easter news touches us and changes us and directs our life. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O Lord, help our unbelief. And in light of Easter, we commit our lives to trusting you and serving you with the message of hope 
and life following Christ our Lord. Amen.